0: Practical Wisdom, Scott Allen Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in this beautiful world. My name is Scott Allen, and I am the host of Phronesis, Practical Wisdom for Leaders. I am an associate professor of management at John Carroll University in Cleveland, Ohio, USA. I'm an author, an entrepreneur, a speaker, a nonprofit founder, and the host of two podcasts. I'm also a husband and dad of three. You just heard from Kate, my daughter, who wrote and performed the Phronesis intro. Phronesis offers a smart, fast-paced discussion on all things leadership. My guests are scholars and practitioners, and we cover timely, relevant topics and incorporate practical tips designed to help you make a difference in how you lead and live. Now, I am proud to share that Frenesis is the official podcast of the International Leadership Association, an association that is near and dear to my heart. ILA brings together leaders and those who teach, study, and develop leadership, advancing leadership knowledge and practice for a better world. Learn more at ilaglobalnetwork.org. If you like what we're up to, please click subscribe so you can stay up to date as we release new episodes each week. You can also share what we're up to with others. And now, today's show. Okay, everybody, welcome to Phronesis. Good day, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. And I have two really, they, they've they been busy. And they have been publishing in the Harvard Business Review and doing really, really cool work and timely work. And I'm looking forward to this conversation today. I have Dr. Allie Dockner. She's a colleague of mine at John Carroll University. She's an associate professor of management, and she has been published in any number of journals and engaged in academic scholarship, Journal of Applied Psychology, Human Resource Development Quarterly. Journal of Management Education, Academy of Management Annals, and of course, like I just said, Harvard Business Review. And we also have Dr. Erin Macarius, and she's an Associate Professor of Management at the College of Business at the University of Akron. She too is widely published Journal of Management, Organization Science, Academy of Management Perspectives, Journal of World Business, Organization Studies, and like I said, Harvard Business Review. Erin, we'll start with you. What are are the blanks? Well, you're a new mother, like two months old. Is that accurate? And you're writing articles in the Harvard Business Review and making things happen out there in the world.
1: The article is pre-baby, so... But yeah, thanks for having us on the show. And uh, just a little bit more about my research, I guess I'll start there is that I um, am interested in research on managing boundaries. And so, whether that be organizational boundaries and looking at work life issues or onboarding and offboarding that we'll talk a little bit about today, or technological boundaries and looking at the area of remote work and working virtually or uh, international boundaries and crossing boundaries to do work on a global scale as well. And so I'm excited to be here today. John Carroll is my alma mater. And so I'm a two-time alumni from both the undergraduate and the MBA program.
0: Well, thank you for being here. And Allie, Dr. Dockner, tell us a little bit more about you.
2: Um, yeah, so professionally, I um, focus my research in HR strategies and program design to adapt to changing work environments, so kind of the future of employee development and, you know, thinking about employee retention. A lot of my research was in initially focused on turnover, and that was a natural transition into what we're talking about today, which is turnover is going to happen. We better be focused on more than just retaining people, but what happens after the fact um, I, I focus a lot on in interpersonal relationships. I don't know if you've heard the joke in our MHR team, but they always say I'm the social chair, like if we were a, you know, Greek organization. You know, I'm very focused on the friendships and the collaborations and maintaining those relationships. And so I'm excited today to talk about, you know, how those relationships really transition and change, but don't just go away when someone leaves an organization. Yeah,
0: well, and you all have a quote in this article, and we'll put a link to the article and to to some of their work in the show notes so that you have access for as a listener. But there's a quote in the article that really stood out for me, and I'd like to start there. And our topic for listeners is offboarding, okay? So you all say, indeed, companies should begin their offboarding programs at the moment of hiring. So talk about that. That's really an interesting perspective. I'd never thought of that.
1: That was something that was surprising to us as well and came out of our research and interviews with program directors and with people that were leading these programs, as well as just managers and organizations. And some of the best programs we found said that we actually invite our current employees as well to join our alumni program. And so I think this goes back to what Ali mentioned, that it's really about those connections and maintaining those relationships not only while you're at the firm, but beyond that formal organizational boundary and continuing uh, that relationship after people leave.
2: To add to that, one of the Things that we think about with offboarding, a lot of times in companies, the idea is you turn in your keys, you turn in your equipment, and you leave. And so we broaden the way we think of offboarding to be like really managing people out, out of the organization, that process of leaving. And that doesn't start at the point of exit. If we thought about how we want to treat people when they leave and after they left, When they leave, that's when emotions are high. That's when people are stressed. That's not the time to start thinking about it. The time to start thinking about building that climate that really helps transition people through their careers is early in the process of talent management. And so we consider this an extension of the talent management process, not like its own unique thing that you just plop into an organization, but really a strategy that aligns with all things talent management and has to be considered as you're designing all your HR or talent management programs.
0: In the article, you all mentioned that the average tenure now, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, is about 4.1 years. That's accurate?
2: It's decreasing as we speak, (laughs) and especially it's, you know, the COVID impact. There's what people are calling the turnover tsunami, right, that people are just leaving almost as quickly as they get there within organizations. And, And that really brings light to two things that need to focus on retention and how to get people to stay in this environment, which we think is important. We're not celebrating turnover, but also it highlights the need to consider how do we treat people when they leave when we know they are.
0: Talk about in your research. What were some of the hallmarks of effective offboarding? I mean, I've, I've I've gathered so far. You're thinking about it well ahead of time, right? That's just a that's a norm, and that's something that's very very critical. But how else are you thinking about it based on your research? What have you been finding are hallmarks of effective offboarding?
1: As Ali mentioned, I think one of the hallmarks is that it's not just at the point of exit. So the programs that were really successful. We're creating a climate for career mobility and career transition. So really promoting the idea that we know you might not spend your entire career with us, but we value you while you're here and we're going to develop you while you're here and have conversations with you about where you want to go next and help you get there. And so companies were engaging in processes that um, helped with career coaching, career development, as well as thinking about how to manage the exit process itself. And what should be done during exit, not only exit interviews, but also celebrating the time that the employee had been. You know, some of the companies we talked to actually had farewell parties or gave gifts when people were leaving, and then creating alumni programs to maintain that connection and uh, have a continued relationship. And not only having you know a LinkedIn group or a way to a network, but also having professional development events in the alumni network. Some were extending benefits beyond your employment, so you might still get employee perks that would be valuable uh, beyond that and professional development opportunities in any way to kind of help you as an individual and hopefully foresee some benefits from that, that you might refer people to a firm, you might act as a brand advocate, you might have more relationships continued in the business relationships such as clients or suppliers in the future for the company boomerangs are another uh, benefit that we saw of some of these programs had from offering these yeah. different aspects of the program.
0: Allie, what do you think?
2: I think Aaron really kind of the nail on the head. It's that for during and after the exit that we need to be thinking about a lot of the best programs we looked at Though, and, and we're all coming from experience with the Jesuit institution. I think a lot about the career personalis, right? Looking at the whole person and our article, um, kind of interestingly was just published in German. And on LinkedIn, one of the comments someone wrote was that an employee is not only a person at the time they're employed, right? We're a lot more than just our time of employment. And that really got me thinking about viewing people who are part of the organization at one point as a whole person, viewing their whole selves while they're there and their whole selves once they leave left. And that really highlights that there's not one best way because all people are different. And so just to add to what Aaron said about what's the best thing to do, it really does vary. And that's why it has to align with all other things HR, because there's no one right way or cookie cutter way to say we're going to offboard and manage alumni well. It's really all about the needs of the organization and the needs of the people leaving.
0: Who are some organizations doing this well that you've come across that you've been really, really impressed with? Uh, You know, they've kind of begun with the end in mind, literally, (laughs) and then beyond that formal end, you know, the end of employment. But even the terminology of alumni is new for me.
1: So I will say that there are certain industries that seem to be ahead of others. Uh, We see these alumni networks a lot more in consulting and in law firms, but we do see growth that there tends to be uh, lots of corporations now that are offering alumni programs and seeing benefits from them. And so this is becoming a lot more common than than even we thought when we began this research.
0: Who's doing it well?
2: We have it. so one of the questions we're asking in our research right now is how do you measure like that return on investment and who's doing it well? Um, A lot of companies measure alumni engagement right now by how many people click on a link, how many people open the newsletter, how many people show up at events. But in the last year with COVID, there haven't been that many events. So one of the questions we're trying to answer is who's doing this well, right? Who's really demonstrating that there's a return on investment for the organization? I mean, in the article, we comment on a lot of companies that have what we consider good practices, that seem to think what they're doing, you know, going well, and and some of the alumni members we've spoke with agree, um, but right now there's not enough academic research to really demonstrate that you know any specific organizations have that really high return on investment. To Aaron's point, it's those industries that are used to losing people in the first five to seven years that you know started the term alumni those that recognize the value of someone returning as a boomerang or bringing back business back to them or mentoring or coming back as a, in a consulting project basis that have really led the way here. And so those are the people we're trying to talk to now, but I don't think we have the answers yet for for that. That's one of our questions is what are the metrics for measuring success and and, and you know what does success look like?
0: I like the growth mm-hmm. mindset though, you have the mm-hmm. yet in there, right? Carol mm-hmm. Black would love that. <laughs> Yeah, yep. we aren't there yet. Well, what, what's your hunch? I mean, what are you thinking about as you think about ROI? What might some aspects of ROI be? What comes to mind?
1: So we certainly see some companies looking at boomerangs, for example, and the number of employees that return referrals that we're starting to see alumni referral bonuses or incentives, brand advocacy. So glass door ratings tend to be a big driver here. And then those continued relationships, working relationships, whether it be a client or a supplier. But in our research so far, many companies aren't measuring these things. And so there's an opportunity there. And the other kind of surprising factor that we realized is that companies that didn't have alumni networks were having their employees go out and create these informal groups on their own and not seeing the benefits. So it was really a missed opportunity for organizations that didn't have that in place.
0: That's interesting. Well, and I just want to clarify that this is what you said, that some companies are even offering referral bonuses to people who are alumni. Is that accurate?
2: Yes. Wow. So it's talent acquisition, not only in the form of having a boomerang come back, but talent acquisition in the form of, um, I might not have been the best fit here, or you couldn't promote me in a way that my degree and experience indicates i should have and it was best for me to leave right we, we look at the romantic literature breakup right like on a breakup we're better as friends and right. you know what as friends i'm now gonna hook you up with someone who's a better fit for you here's paul exactly <laughs> and, and and they're recognizing that value
0: yeah oh that's really cool interesting any of any other aspects of roi that you're exploring or come to mind
1: I think net promoter scores are something that we're seeing more of. And then the alumni programs themselves, as Ali mentioned, are tracking a lot of who's coming to the event, how many people are they getting to join, what's their engagement levels. So it really is becoming a metric that's being measured and you know, hopefully managed in that process of talent management. I think that's something we really want to emphasize is we don't see this as a one off program, that it really has to be consistent with everything you offer throughout the HR experience and throughout your uh, process of managing talent and organizations.
0: It's a pipeline. It's holistic. Right? Ab-
1: exactly. absolutely and you know and it- our our focus is on the outflow but you know as we talked about with the benefits is that it can influence the inflow and so we really do see it as a pipeline process of, of looking at the flow in its entirety
2: and it could be cyclical right it's not it's it circles right back to where where we started
0: yeah now how did the two of you land on this topic
2: Aaron and I went to grad school together at Ohio State and um we go to this annual conference every year and we kind of took it upon ourselves to start what we called the Fisher family dinner. So the Ohio state's college of business is the Fisher college of business. And we'd get together with the people we went through the program with the people who graduated ahead of us and the current students. And that was one of our favorite events of the conference, other than, you know, going to like sessions and, and learning about the research and in terms of networking and a lot of alumni programs stem from education and, and this idea that, like, how do we bring fundraising in, right? But in our minds, this was an extension of that. We're creating our own network and this value to us that we also saw as available to the organization who's trying to get their current students the best jobs on the market and network them with people and get research out. And we're like, this is, like, so valuable. And, you know, it, it was a natural extension of my interest in relationships in the workplace. We've Crossed that boundary, and yet we're still friends and we're still creating value for each other and for the organization. And so it was our own personal experience that we're like, well, I wonder if organizations do this. And so we started looking into it, and we found a lot in the 90s about outplacement services and exit interviews. And that was really the extent of it. And now, you know, there's been some recent research on corporate alumni, but. And boomerang employees. And, and boomerang employees, but nothing that looked at this holistically, like as this whole process as a part of talent management. And so we jumped on that opportunity maybe five years ago, um, we have a lot of projects in the work, but the the Harvard Business Review article was the first, first one out the door.
0: Yeah. We'll talk about some of the other projects. What are some other questions you have right now, or how are you thinking about this topic?
1: So I think we've kind of indicated one of, you know, we're interested in the value that employees can bring post-separation. And so uh, one of our projects is really more conceptual in nature of what does that value look like and how can organizations maximize their return on investment, essentially? Because one of the questions we get sometimes is why should we invest in alumni programs or in offboarding programs when these people are no longer with us? And, you know, part of it is they might stay and then they don't have the skills and opportunities that they need. But another part of it is looking at this program as a whole, you know, how you can really earn value once someone's no longer with you as an organization and how the employee can value from that program as well. And so in talking to alumni program managers now, one of the benefits that we see is that It really does help career growth for people that they're finding networking opportunities. They're finding social support. I talked to a a person this morning that talked about a mentoring program where they use their alumni to mentor their current employees. So there's a lot of opportunities that you wouldn't otherwise see if you didn't invest in these programs.
0: It's a perception I have that, oh, they left, they must not have liked it. So they're of no value to us. And Allie, I love your framing of I care about you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we're better as friends. <laughs> we're, be- we're better as friends. But
0: we're better as friends, yes.
2: <laughs> and, and part of what we're looking at in that theory paper then is that mechanism of why. Because that's the question we get, right? Is why would individuals want to be engaged alumni? Why would they do anything on the organization's behalf? And we really look at that broadening that exchange relationship beyond the point of turnover, what organizations can still do. To engage those alumni and then how that what those the attitudes the alumni might have, those residual commitments, that residual identification that might then lead to them doing things that benefit not only the organizations, but themselves.
1: But I think what you mentioned, Scott, the you know, why should we care is the mindset that a lot of companies have of, you know, another way we talk about it is the bitter X, right? Some companies are actively, you know, mad at people. They see you as a traitor if you leave the organization or disloyal. And so part of our interest in this research is kind of changing that mindset of this is a reality that people do move on to other jobs, but the process on which you offboard them and the connections you maintain can be beneficial to you. And so we want to look at why that matters, how it matters, and what we can do to make it more effective.
0: If it's 4.1 years, average tenure, it's happening a lot, mm-hmm. right?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, some of the statistics on the great Net resignation or the turnover tsunami, whatever people are calling it now, are that up to half of people are looking for a new job right now that, you know, the past year has really made people rethink what's meaningful to them, Where where do they want to spend their time, how do they want to spend their time You know, one of the interesting things about remote work is people said, I don't have to commute anymore. I really like not having a commute. And so thinking about organizations that will allow them that flexibility and working remotely and having the type of work relationship that they want.
2: And that—that's kind. That's where this idea that you have to think about offboarding before the point of exit, because those conversations with people about having stay interviews—why are you staying? What could get you to stay? What's important to you now? That could help an organization to offboard people to a better place that fits them better, or it might help with retention because there's some things companies can do that are easy changes to retain people that don't know they can or should be doing. Um, So really those conversations about where do you want to be in life? What's meaningful to you? You know, do you think that your strengths are being utilized in this organization? Where do you see yourself in five years, even as an employee, not only in the application process, right? Um, Those types of conversations are important for career transitions. And that may mean helping people to stay or it may mean helping to offboard them.
1: Which is an empirical question that we hope to answer in future
2: research.
0: (laughs) 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 <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Well, my, head, my head's kind of all over the place as I think about this. What, what do leaders need to know? What do leaders need to know about this topic? Other than, I mean, I, I know that we've touched on some things you might have said, but is there anything that we haven't discussed that you think that, that leaders really should have top of mind?
1: We always say this has to be a strategic and intentional process the best place to start is really thinking about what are your goals in starting an offboarding program? What kind of data do you need to get there? And one of the interesting things about this is you might have a lot of that data already. Many companies have a HRIS system or a CRM system that you know, is collecting data on employees, and you can kind of look at where employees are going and how to maintain an alumni network or a database. And so in many cases, you might already have programs or initiatives in place that can support these types of programs. So if it's something you're thinking about doing, it might just involve starting small, really thinking about the point of exit. What are you doing now? Are there ways you could enhance that by recognizing employee contributions more, conducting thoughtful exit interviews, making sure that you're using that data to either improve the employee experience or the exit experience And really taking a more proactive approach that allows you to think about and prepare for employee departures in advance and support people along the way.
0: Allie, anything you want to add?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's really similar to what Aaron said, but it it would be don't ignore the impact that ex-employees might have on your business and don't assume that it has to be costly or it has to be super time consuming or your business is too small or your turnover rate's not high enough. We can start small and build up. And, it, it you know, the little things matter. And so I'd say don't, don't make assumptions and, and don't ignore the fact that that ex-employees or former employees matter.
0: Well, and... and- I know in the article, you touch on this. This is the last thing I'd like to explore a little bit, but the legal domain of all of this, I think because each of us have had that really bad breakup, that tends to be the breakup that we keep in our heads. And that's, and so I think from a legal perspective, how are organizations thinking about this? Or what do you have to say about that pushback?
2: So we started really when we looked into this research. That's where it started. Is what are the legal requirements and like mass layoffs and the downsizing in the '90s and the legal piece was such a huge part of it. What we're seeing now and learning now from companies that do this really well is the focus on inclusivity. And you know, unless someone was fired for something illegal, people are a part of this alumni program and included and um, there are criteria for maybe removing them from it. But ultimately the emphasis is on including people and letting them be a part of this network. And typically those who maybe you wouldn't want to include, they're not active anyway. But they're, you know, everyone's invited and everyone's a part of it. And I that seems to be the focus. So it's shifted really away from what are these legal requirements that we have to do to if we do these things well, we're meeting legal requirements but we're going way beyond that.
0: Aaron, anything you want to add?
2: The only thing I would add to that is that we found that some
1: organizations had non-compete clauses that were really sending the signal that they weren't supportive of career transitions Unless there was confidentiality or proprietary information, we really would suggest that if you don't need it, don't use that non-compete clause because it can reduce the trust that your employees have in you and really can affect that that climate for or mobility or the opportunities that people see uh, beyond in their career.
0: It sounds like you all are carving this very, very cool path of exploration. I can't wait to hear about some of the ROI and you know, an organization like a McKinsey or some of the big four, what they've seen as you start getting into some of those organizations and really starting to better understand, I'm assuming that's all in the works.
1: It Absolutely. Is. Yeah. When you <laughs> mention future research, we're in the midst yep. of it now and <laughs> doing interviews and and but we are finding out some really interesting practices that they're doing and You know, a lot of more companies are moving towards things that we might have in academics, things like sabbaticals and allowing employees to either travel or go work for another organization, giving emeritus status to people after they've left, and really highlighting people's accomplishments and following them throughout their career and saying, hey, guess what? We have people that went on to be CEOs of other organizations or, you know, there was one company that had, I think, four people that became leaders or presidents of different organizations and so you know tracking that information and really celebrating employees beyond their tenure in the organization.
0: I always close these conversations out by asking guests what you're listening to, what you're reading, what you're streaming. It could have to do with what we've just discussed. It doesn't have to do with what we've just discussed. So what stands out for each one of you? Maybe, Allie, we start with you.
2: A, a couple things. I always keep up to date on Sherm articles and HBR articles and what's happening now and how's COVID impacting everything I thought I knew about the work world because that you know kind of hits Hits the press a little quicker than some of the other things. Um, I'm actually about to start rereading *The Alliance* by Reid Hoffman. um, Read it years ago, and it's so relevant to what we do, and still so insightful that I was like, I need to go back and reread that. I'm reading a lot about social exchange and workplace relationships, um, but to your point a moment ago, we're fully immersed in interviewing companies right now. So um, most of my thought right now is going towards um, the interviews that we're lucky enough to be conducting.
0: Aaron, what are you reading, streaming, watching, listening to?
1: On the reading front, I am currently reading The Remote Work Revolution by Isidl Neely. And um, I think that's really relevant. And, you know, it's a research interest of mine as well. So it's a nice synopsis and summary of what we already knew about working virtually and what we still need to learn. And then my next on my list is Think Again by Adam Grant. I like to, I like his work. And so, you know, I want to continue and see his most recent book and reading that. What I'm watching, well, as you mentioned, I have a newborn, so not a lot. But uh, we did recently start going through the Marvel universe with our kids in chronological order, and so each wow. weekend we we're watching one of the, those movies. And did see the most recent Black Widow. So
0: <laughs> that's commitment to go through all of those. Five. Boy,
1: they... yes, we've got a year down now, right, <laughs> to go. <laughs>
0: I have about two hours left I've been listening to because I've been in the car more lately. Mm. So I've been listening to Think Again, and it's great. Mm-hmm. It's a great book. Oh, good. Um, oh, you'll enjoy it. And I like how he, how he thinks. It's, mm-hmm. a really, yeah. it's a really, uh, well, I should say good listen in this case. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and then working virtually or remotely, I, I just had someone this morning say to me, "I really." she was talking about how she missed her dog. And that's really what she, she worked for a year and a half with her dog at her feet and going back to work that, that was top of mind for her. So whether it's that or just the convenience of not being in traffic, I mean, it's going to be really interesting. That's a, a ripe area of exploration in the coming years to see, and, and to even organizations that I've spoken with that have been very rigid and said, nope, everyone's coming back. Or some others in the community that I've heard of where it's, you know, you have to decide. You can be, you know, at home, you can be somewhat remote and have an office that you share here some of the time, or you can be fully here. And it's really interesting. I don't know. You all have probably been engaged in conversations with friends. Allie, you have your hand up.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Following instructions. (laughs) One of the things about that, that Aaron and I talk about, and we've talked to HR professionals about, um, is this idea of the hybrid workplace. And, you know, we've done all this research on remote work for years, way before the pandemic hit. We knew a lot about it. And of course, that changed the way we think about it a little bit. And there's more data on work from home now. But this hybrid work model is still so newer. And there's not a lot of scientific research on it. And that's going to be a difficult thing to manage. That's going to be top of mind for a lot of HR professionals.
0: Yep. Oh, it shifts training and development. It shifts so many different elements of... I I spoke at Progressive probably four years ago. And it was... 40 people in the room and a bunch of people streaming in. And just even that domain from a training and development standpoint shifted things. So from a management and a leadership standpoint, wow. And
2: teams.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. It's really the future of work. And so, you know, being researchers, we're really interested in what's going to be most effective in doing this and what's, what's, what's the future going to bring and how can we manage it in organizations to benefit both employees
0: and the firm. Well, the two of you are hitting at a, the, a great time for all of these conversations, right? Okay, Allie, Erin, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for the work that you do. Take care. Be well. We'll have you back when the next HBR article comes out. Is it just going to be one a year now for the coming years?
1: <laughs> We're hoping to broaden our journal
2: <laughs> publication list. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, take care of you all. Thank you. Okay. A couple things stand out for me as I reflect on this conversation with Allie and Aaron. One, context and our leaders paying close attention to context and maybe some data that has to be paid attention to. In this case, this whole new notion of offboarding. For some firms, a McKinsey, for instance, this has been a topic for years. For other firms, are you proactively managing from the very, very beginning this whole process of an employee's life cycle and prepared for that offboarding process, which is a totally new topic for so many different individuals? And then I just respect the work of Ali and Aaron. They are staying on the cutting edge, they are in front and exploring this topic that is so incredibly timely especially in today's hiring market, that I just think that's exciting as well. So when I said to them, I'm excited to watch this unfold and this stream of research that you're pursuing, I think it's great. I think it's really, really cool. Take care, everybody. Be well. I hope that this episode has sparked some new thoughts for you. And as always, thanks for listening. You, my friend, have just finished another episode of Phrenesis Practical Wisdom for Leaders. To get in touch with me, visit www.scottjallen.net or send me a note at scott at scottjallen.net. I can also be found on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Now, if you have feedback, I would love to hear it. And as always, thank you so much for listening to Phrenesis. If you like Phrenesis, I have a second podcast. It's called the Captovation Podcast. That's with an O, -o Captovation podcast, where I speak with experts on the topic of designing and delivering incredible presentations. And now, Kate's twin sister, Emily, with the outro.
1: You've been listening to Phronesis, Practical Wisdom with Scott Allen.